so we finally reached 100 finally reached 100 episodes of anything and uh honestly it's uh it's giving me more energy to get into another 100 so let's do it in the words public enemies chuck d bring the noise On the Fifth Element Podcast Network, I am Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you have all had a good week in the circumstances. Yeah, man, you are listening to 100, uh, episode 100 of What's Good, and um, you know I appreciate you listening. I appreciate anybody who's listened from episode 1 to 100. Uh, but regardless, if you've listened to you know all 100 or this is your first one, you know, I appreciate it regardless and, uh, you know, always have to show love on that front. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really, uh, I don't really, uh, look like analytics or any of that kind of stuff. Um, I just, I, I don't really, uh, <laughs> uh I, I don't really seek to, like, um, I don't know, um, find out what, what's the problem with my show or anything like that, you know what I mean? It's just like, it is what it is, you know what you're getting, like, it's, it's 100 episodes in, I think, I feel like, you know, <laughs> you, you might get, you, you might get a regular episode from me, you might get an interview, or you might get none, none of those two, and you might just have me talking for an hour, and uh, talk about just something that nearly broke my brain that one time, um, but, <laughs> or you might get me, uh, you know, a concert, uh, and, you know, uh, talking about that, but, Obviously, that ain't happened in the in in uh in recent times. Actually, funny enough, I was supposed to see Chronics a couple of days ago, so I got I got the uh I got the notification from my Canon and it was like Chronics October tenth. I was like, ah oh, fuck. <laughs> it it just it just annoyed me. I was just like, great, great. Don't think I got a refund from that. Um, just uh, I I got a refund from saying I don't know if it was from that or Protege. Um, but regardless, I'm, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to go, go, go see what that refund's saying, because, um, I don't know if it's has to, if they've rescheduled or anything like that, and we've got an email on that front, need to check up on that one, chase up somebody, send a strongly worded email, maybe, don't know, don't know, but anyway, regardless, regardless, I mean, I hope it happens, you know what I mean, like, but if, if it ain't gonna happen, I'm giving my money back. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> Give my money, uh, but you know, it's, <coughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but anyway, yeah, man. Hope you've all had a good week. Um, it's been a. Uh, okay, right. So yeah, I mean, it's been okay-ish. Like I've got some. I got stuff done this past week, but I've I I have this thing where like I I have this thing where I f- I probably and this is just me, you know thinking live right so it might it might just come out of gibberish it might not mean anything right but um sometimes i i feel like this is what i feel happens right to me when like when i finish something i've been working on for like a good while um in this case i was working on a script for about six weeks and um you know it felt like 12 but apparently i did it in six and, you know, the time frame is good, so I feel like six weeks is a great place to, you know, 
finish a script, regardless of how long it is. Um, you know, just 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 it just it gives me it gives me confidence I can you know have that quick turnaround. Um, but I can even now, right? Even now, like I finished that a few days ago, and um, I, I I just have this uh, I don't know like a post uh, post finishing script just lethargy. Uh, and I, I just, I don't know, I just feel like, I just felt so empty, you know what I mean, and I kind of feel the same anyway, like, I just don't, I don't know, the music ain't hitting as hard as it should recently, like, anything I watch is just, just like, no, no reaction towards myself, you know what I mean, it's just, amp- it's just apathy, and it's really weird, like, um, I can't really gather, um, the reason, well, that's kind of why I'm gauging it too, like, the fact, the fact that I did that, and I feel like, you know, maybe it was like, um, because, you know, for me personally, the way I like to do things, and the way I feel like I do things, in terms of just trying to be efficient, like, I just suppress, like, a fuck ton of just, like, not even stress, because, you know, sometimes that, that comes, that boils up, and I have to, you know, account for it, um, but, you know, just, like, I guess, I guess the small stuff, right, the, the small stresses, like, you know, all, they just all come back to me, you know what I mean, I just, I just replay everything in my head, so to speak, so, like, every annoying thing that happened during the script, I was just, like, it, it just came back to me recently, in the past couple of days, it's just, like, what, you know I mean, it's just, it's just weird, it's just, I don't know, it's weird, but, um, you know, regardless of that, I got it done, so, you know, I can't complain too much, it's just, like, uh, my attitude's just, like, so, it's just, <laughs> I don't know, it's just, it's not, I'm not energised, I'm just, I'm just like, it's done now, like, great, I guess, <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, enough of that, enough of me, it's all good, regardless, I'm, I'm calm, but, you know, we got, we got some good stuff for this episode, we've got some great stuff to talk about, um, we've got two life, sports and film and TV, and uh, with that said, for Matthew, before we begin, email Twitter, IG, Facebook as well, Discord link, all that, all that, all that's in the full show notes, including the music as well, which I'll mention at the end of the episode, because support the people that help me support, but uh, support me, wait, what? Support the people that help me do the show, 90% of that is me, so support me, there you go, got it done, but anyway, <laughs> the beat drop and let's get into the show. In a week where, uh, this is a fun one I thought I'd start on, uh, Britain's Alfie Hewitt wins French Open wheelchair singles title, so big up. Uh, Rafael Nadal waxes Novak Djokovic to win his 13th French Open and his 20th Grand Slam title overall, which ties Federer uh, in the overall number. Um, I mean, Federer's still the GOAT, that's, that's not really twisted, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Lewis Hamilton equals Michael Schumacher's 91 win record. Jackie Stewart, be mad, be mad, be mad. Just and and the rest of you, pussy claw F one fans, be mad. Uh, Lakers win their seventeenth NBA championship. Uh, well, we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, just just a teaser. But uh, and uh, lastly, the UK goes into a three tier lockdown system with Northwest England being hit the hardest. Um, you know, I haven't really looked into uh, detail why. You know, the Liverpool. Wigan area, Blackburn, I, I think, I'm not really sure, like, just, that, 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 
They were just under Manchester, basically, like just just under Manchester, like in that northwest region. Like, it's gone into a like tier two and three lockdown, and the rest of it, the rest of us are in tier one. It's just I don't know. It's, it seems a bit weird, um, but you know, everything's sus when it comes to all this crap. To be completely honest, and I'm still I'm still waiting on uh, the exit shit. Like still waiting on that. Don't know what's happening on that front because you know Corona just keeps taking up news headlines and you know keeps taking up time. But you know, st- still exiting. St- still still doing that. Um, you know, it's October. It's, it's going down in January. So uh, you know, TikTok. I don't know what's happening with that, but anyway. Um, so, yeah, let's start with um, the first of uh, two live topics. And um, so this is uh, about Nigeria, what's going on right now in Nigeria. And to be honest, I could pick, like, th- I mean, I saw just this week, like, three um, viral news stories coming out of Africa, of the continent of Africa. Um, there was one in the, uh, I think, Zambia... Um, and I was, I was, I think that was about a, um, uh, uh, female, uh, uh, it helps if I look this up in it, <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, I know it was like females protesting, um, and to be honest, females have a lot to protest about in general, so, you know, whatever it is, um, I, I, it may, it may be something around FGM, I'm assuming, um, but uh, yeah, there's something about that. Um, I know there's a lot of females protesting. And also, there was in the, there was uh, some in the uh, Congo, Democratic Republic of uh, Congo, and I think that was about um, a certain material uh, used for like spaceship stuff. And uh, you know, the US and UK, and I think France as well have been like, um, you know, I guess uh, ordering PMCs to um, basically mutil like just kill like, Congo, Congolese people, you know, just all that horrible stuff, you know, just abusing and raping women and stuff like that, and killing kids and shit, and so, so, so. yeah, I mean, we could have gotten into any of those two, to be completely honest, but, um, this was the largest one, and, uh, I feel like I just got the most information from this, to be honest, and it kind of, uh, kind of just, um, emphasises my overall point, um, of, um, the concept of police, um, and it's, you know, it's kind of just the, the moral of this particular story, in my opinion, is like, it's not just here, it's not just in the US, it's, you know, everywhere. And I feel like, you know, something that really should be focused on in the next couple of years, um, as pertains to how governments around the world should, you know, uh, police the police, so to speak, and hold them accountable. And, you know, in some way, how we can hold them accountable as well, you know, I mentioned that Legal Lifeline app from last week, you know what I mean, that's just that's something, that's a step in the right direction, um, but this is about um, hashtag in SARS, and everything SARS um, related, <clears throat> and I just, um, you know, I found this um, good, uh, really informational uh, Twitter thread that I thought I'd just um, read, because, um, you know, it's fairly lengthy, and it's, you know, I think it's very um, um, informational, and, uh, you know, all about information here, so I might as well just jump right in. So, uh, shout out to at Annie underscore etc, etc underscore. And, um, yeah, just jump right in. So, the Special Anti-Robbery Squad, SARS, uh, was established in 92 to combat a, combat a sharp increase in armed robberies and kidnappings. Initially, the 15 officers assigned to this unit operated undercover and didn't wear uniforms. As Nigeria transitioned to a broadly cashless society, it became less common for the wealthy to store significant amounts of cash at home. 
Coupled with some of SARS's initial successes, this led to a decline in armed robberies. In 2009, the squad was significantly expanded with an extended remit to tackle growing problems of fraud and cultism at Nigerian universities. From this point, stories began to emerge about abuses of power, extortion and profiling of young people. 2017, Segun Awosanya uh, first started an online campaign to hashtag NSARS. Uh, so this is three years in the making, basically, and and even technically, eleven years. You know, if you consider you know stuff that happened in two thousand nine. So crazy. Um, in response to President Buhari announced a uh, in response, President Buhari announced a total overhaul of the unit and drafted him into the panel overseeing this process. Ostensibly, this mean mismeant new measures and complaints procedures to ensure effective oversight and a limiting of their remit once again to armed robberies and kidnappings. There remains such confusion about the scope of FSAR's activities as they continue to profile young Nigerians. Things such as possession of laptops, iPhones, or wearing dreadlocks are taken as evidence of involvement in illegal activities. Hmm. Okay. Um, part of this confusion to the blurring of the role of SARS and the EFCC, the Economic and Financial Crimes Commission, a pattern of destructive operations began uh, became clear online in online uh, accounts, uh, setting up checkpoints with the sole purpose of forcing people to pay bribes, arresting people and driving them to ATM machines, opening fire in crowded places such as markets, murderers, kidnappings, rapes, the list is endless. The force pretty much still op- uh, pretty much operate as an armed street gang. That's an interesting way of uh, labelling it. Um, still, as of 2018, when I was last in Nigeria, widespread mobilisation against SARS was still seen as a pipe dream. This year, as the Black Lives Matter movement took stage, sent the centre stage again, I noticed Nigerians were connecting the question of police brutality to their daily experiences in the hands of SARS. I think the struggles and wins of BLM have potentially been an inspiration here. That's not the full story. This speaks to a, a deep generational divide. The Buhari presidency has been marked by an unemployment crisis <coughs> uh, for Nigeria's young population. Over 60% of the population is below 30. And for those who can find jobs, a minimum wage is still in uh, uh, Nira, I think. Is, is it Nigerian? Nira? I, f- I forget the currency. Um, 30,000, which is £60 in uh, British cash. Um the president has taken to blaming young people, accusing them of wanting to do nothing and get housing, healthcare, education free. Um, this speaks to a government arrogance in oil producing nation with immense wealth as public services deteriorate rapidly. The attitude of Nigeria's ostensibly centre left party, quote unquote centre left, um, uh, is that the government owes Nigerians nothing. All while, with the help of foreign banks and governments, the wealth of the country continues to be siphoned off uh, through staggering, brazen corruption. This, coupled with deep resignation felt by older Nigerians, with their fear of young Nigerians adopting Western attitudes and cultures, has produced an environment in which responsibility for the ills of Nigerian society are placed at the door of the young. They are placed at the sheer lack of... uh, They are blamed for the sheer lack of opportunities available to them. For the repression they experience... Uh, for the re- repression they experience, I said oppression or repression, but repression uh, they experience and punished where they're able to find ways to thrive despite these miserable conditions. Of course, those on the streets are already drawing these connections. They know better than I do that SARS is just a symptom of the same deeply broken society, which through the wanton, uh, want- is it wanton or wanton? I don't know. I know wanton's the 
Chinese dish. <laughs> Don't know if you say it in the same uh, way. Excuse me. Um, accumulation of wealth by a few left them to fend for themselves. Despite these immense obstacles, young Nigerians have uh, still thrived, making huge contributions globally in culture and tech, for example. Those innovations in tech and culture have been significant in internationalising and amplifying the movement. There's a lot to unpack, for example, the role of Twitter NG, uh, hashtag Twitter NG alongside Black Twitter, and the special place that Nigeria has garnered in the hearts of high-profile musicians around the world. But they they should never have to face these obstacles in the first place. That's a lot to process, but nowhere near the full story. I'll drop links as it goes. Da, 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 da. All right, so um, that's kind of just the basics of what's going on, right? And I, I think that's a good place to just like, um, you know, if you if you guys feel like you need to, you need more information, there are you know places to go for that. Um, just you know, go look, <laughs> like you know, be independent on that front. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's a good place to just like, you know zoom out for for me personally zoom out because you know i'm not exactly um educated in this particular side of things um as it pertains to nigeria as a whole and obviously they you know she made a great um attempt at you know um explaining the generational divide and i think that's a great you know angle to look at things um because i feel like there's a lot of times where Uh, take the exit for example I feel like you know um, the older generations saw the exit as you know a a kind of I don't know fuck you to Europe for whatever reasons they had from from feelings they harbored from like 50 60 years ago Um, but you know people my age and younger or maybe a little older maybe in your 30s I'm not sure Um, don't know the specific statistics on that front but you know younger people didn't really weren't really in that you know what i mean and even if i i mean i've i've seen it i've, I've seen what happened you know from uh from way back then I, I don't really see what the beef is um and even with that said you know and i've said this before you know my reasoning is like i feel like being in the eu is much better than being out of it and i think that's just a simple you know two plus two equation that you have to add to it like you know <clears throat> will be will we be better off out of it I don't think so. All right, let's remain then. You know what I mean? That's just my logic. But obviously, people had some feelings towards Europe for whatever fucking reason. Even though you guys love to, you know, in your old age, love to fuck off to Spain and live there for the rest of your lives. You know what I mean? So, or, or Greece or, you know, fucking Crete, some shit. You know what I mean? Well, fuck all that. You know what I mean? Just, uh, no, no, no. Fuck, fuck Europe, right? Yeah. Fuck Europe. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a Nigerian Naira. I I, I, I know I, I nearly got it right. I said Nira, didn't I? Naira. I was close. Um, I just had to look that up for um, future reference. But um, uh, just to clarify myself. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just funny, right? And I feel like you know, there's always there's always generational divides when it comes to stuff like this. Everyone has differing opinions. But the thing is, in you know, in this particular you know Twitter thread that I just read out, like it seems as if the young people in Nigeria are the ones getting getting the brunt of it, right? And you know, obviously SARS was initially made for the wealthy people that were getting jacked, right? Sure, okay, right. But you know, once you take that, and obviously, clearly, the cli- the, the the need for SARS went down. Um, you know, in the 2000s, basically, right, there was no need for them, but the Nigerian government, in, and this is just how I'm seeing things, right, this isn't, this isn't a fact, this is just how I'm, uh, 
This is how I'm breaking it down for myself. This is just like, you know, piecing together the puzzles, the puzzle pieces I've got, right? So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. This is is what it is. Go look for yourself on, on, on more detail. But this is just how I'm seeing it, right? So, you know, if you're inventing, um, if you're creating this unit, this 15-man unit for, you know, kidnappings and uh, uh, robberies, right? Which obviously is there to, uh, for trying to jack rich people, right? Because that's what she said on the on the Twitter thread, right? And then later down the line, you have uh, there's no reason for it. So, but they, instead of disbanding them, they gave them more more power, right? And that's kind of the thing that we get. The, well, I'll, I'll get to that in the end, right? I'll get to that as my final point, right? But just finishing up the thought, um, the thought uh, shit throwing and seeing if it sticks on the wall. Uh, you know, you get to that point and. Once they've gotten more power, they don't really have, they don't really have a need to, you know, stick it to just robberies and kidnappings because those aren't happening as much. So you instead start, I don't know, in this case, abusing <laughs> young children, uh, not young children, but like you know, teens and young adults for having dreads. Like what? For having iPhones? Wow. Okay. I mean, shit, you're gonna be you're gonna be arresting a lot of people if they had fucking iPhones. You know what I mean, it's just crazy. Like, um, so yeah, I f- I feel like, and you know, my overall point, um, and you know, obviously, there's more a lot more to this. I just wanted to give my um ten a uh, few cents on this, and you know, just um, just amplify the the hashtag so to speak in some way in my way, and just uh you know, recognize it, but. In zooming out, this is kind of the overall point about, you know, policing and the key word is power. Like the power that, you know, we have given police in certain countries. Like this, it's it's not just in the UK, it's not just in the US, it's not even just in Africa. It's not, you know, it's this, it it may be in Asia as well, well, Philippines, hello, right? (laughs) Um, Guaranteed it's in South America. You know, Brazil, um, you know, it's just, it, it's rife, it's fucking rife, right, it's not, it's not just in the, where, where the BLM protests were held, it's, and obviously they, the, the young people in Nigeria clearly just, you know, saw the BLM protests and were like, wait, that's basically what's happening with SARS, so, you know, and I've seen, I've seen some videos, right, in the past couple of weeks, like, you know, just people with their face beating in, it's just fucking nasty, right, it's, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's the same thing in America. It's the same thing in Nigeria right now, and you know, like I said, like a like I said in a week where a few episodes ago, it can be what happens in the UK if we don't keep if we don't just keep pressure on it. If we just keep letting it go, and then like you know, there's going to be another. It's going to be a stop and search. It just goes wrong, right? It's just what it's just what's going to happen. It's inevitability at some point. If you fuck with the wrong officer, like fuck with the fuck with the wrong person, I don't know. You make the wrong move. You twitch, twitch different. Like <laughs> you make a sudden movement, bam! Like you just get your face caved in. Like it, it can happen. It can happen. And that's kind of the whole point, right? This is the whole point is power. And I feel like you know, obviously in this case, the stars have too much power. And you know, they they've I've seen around in certain places saying you know they've they've the, even the government has said, like you know, they'll they'll disband SARS, right? They've they said this before, but um, 
and in that case, considering that, um, considering that they've made promises they clearly haven't kept since, um, the decision is on the people. The decision is on the people in terms of if if they've done it, the the people need final say on that. And I don't know how that can be enforced. You know what I mean? But <laughs> you know, just in in a in a general sense, the people of Nigeria need um, need to make that final say of whether the government actually have stuck to their word for once and actually ended SARS. So, you know, shout out to the people of Nigeria. Um, you know, we see you and uh, keep the pressure on, man. Just keep the pressure on. Keep it on. So hop on to sports segment and uh, you know I had to do the finals you know I had to do it I had to do it I had to do it but you know as a Heat fan I am disappointed but you know also um, uh, I don't know just like a, a a kind of I'm optimistic you know I mean I'm I'm optimistic the fact that we took you know if the Heat took the Lakers to six games um, you know without um Drogic who you know that in at that point in the playoffs was you know putting up you know all-star you know low-key all-star numbers you know what I mean you know good real good numbers and obviously Bam Adebayo was um you know injured from uh, half of the time uh you know with the fact that the Heat took him to six is you know kind of a marvel in itself and should be respected uh, you know I could t- everyone's talking about the Lakers everyone's talking about the Lakers so you know I'm here to talk about I'm, I'm not even here to talk about the Heat I'm talking to talk about one specific person and that's Jimmy MF in buckets that's <laughs> Jimmy Butler right ladies and gentlemen like right now I'm talking about Jimmy Butler because this boy is a bad boy man bad boy I'm fucking believable uh, performance like if, if I, I said this right I said I said if the Heat takes the the Lakers to seven right and even if they lose if they take him to seven with Jimmy just carrying the fucking load I, I would I'd put forward a petition to have Jimmy Butler be finals MVP regardless if he loses I want him to get that Jerry West treatment because I feel like that's just completely deserved considering of like you know the 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 fact that you know the Lakers had two of the top five, but two of the top five best players in the NBA right now. Fuck yeah, give him the Jerry West treatment. Hell yeah, what are you chatting about? I don't think anybody could like you know you you lot are saying you know give Jimmy Butler respect he deserves. I'm like all right, give him that fucking Finals MVP. But I was obviously if if they made it to Game Seven, you know what I mean. But uh, obviously went to LeBron, and that's uh, you know all all they respected. Um, you know, I would I would have been fine with this whole f- finals. To be honest, if it, if the Heat wasn't in it, um, I would have just been like, yeah, go on Lakers. Like, I'm 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 all for LeBron. Like, you know, just just sna- snapping records, man. I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Like, you know, I've he he's he's been the best player. Like, you know, throughout my I don't know uh, lifespan of <laughs> liking the NBA. So yeah, you know, I mean, it's just it's just inevitable. I have a you know general respect for the guy um, as a as a player, especially, um, but. You know the Heat were there, and I had to go for the Heat, man. I had to go for the Heat. So, uh, yeah, but this is this is about Jimmy buckets. Um, this is an article that uh, dropped. Uh, I think after the game three, uh, game three of the finals, uh, where obviously Jimmy uh, went basically one for one with fucking LeBron, and basically nearly took it. Well, they, but they did take the game. But you know, 
the do won the battle on that front clearly, but it's it's just it was just amazing performance. But uh, this is uh, by Mark J Spears of uh, the Undefeated. It's called Jimmy Butler is here to stay. And let's just jump right in because uh, it's a solid one. Uh, when the NBA bubble finally pops and everyone heads home, the player who will be remembered most for breaking through the season is Jimmy Butler. Facts. A five-time All-Star, Butler wasn't viewed by many as one of the game's elites. Even among his peers, who rated him sixth out of the Eastern Conf- uh, Conference front court players on the All-Star ballot in January, behind Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, Pascal Siakam, Bam Adebayo, and Jason Tatum. But after leading the Dark Horse Miami to Miami Heat to their first NBA Finals appearance since 2014, Butler has finally received the respect reserved for the league su- uh, for the league superstars. Quote. One of the best competitors we have in our game, LA Lakers star uh, LeBron James said a Butler earlier this week. For me personally, I don't know how many more opportunities I'm going to have. So to be able to go against a fierce competitor like that is something I'll look back on when I'm done playing. I'll miss those moments, unquote. Uh, Butler has certainly taken advantage of this moment uh, of his moment on the NBA's biggest stage, averaging 27.5 points, 10 assists, and 7.8 rebounds in 41.5 minutes per game in his first finals. Most importantly, he's been able to do it by being himself in the bubble. Quote, if you know anything about him or anything about his story, it's just kind of, it just kind of ties it into the fabric of who he is and who he's kind of always been. Butler's agent Bernie Lee told the undefeated, he's not a person that is going to accept the circumstances that are around him in a way where he's not going to figure out the way uh, figure out the way to thrive within it. Unquote. Butler has become uh, adversity has overcome adversity in his life. He was homeless for a, a time during his teen years before being taken in by a family before his senior year of high school. Not heavily recruited in hoops, he attended a junior college before starting a Marquette, uh, starring at Marquette. In 2011, he was drafted by the Chicago Bulls with the last pick of the first round. He became a three-time All-Star in Chicago, but the Bulls didn't see him as the future uh, face of the franchise and traded him to the Minnesota Timberwolves in 2017. While he helped the Wolves end a long playoff drought, he questioned the work ethic of his teammates and didn't see eye-to-eye with Carl Anthony Towns. In 2018, Minnesota traded him to Philadelphia, where Pratt Brown struggled to coach Butler for a season... <laughs> Okay, I have to stop because I I love I when I when I tell you guys I love shitting on the Philadelphia 76ers. I love shitting on the Philadelphia 76ers. You have no fucking idea how funny I find that just just that little bit of, of Jimmy Butler's story. Just a little bit because that was one year. That was one year of absolute magic from him, right? He he was they were one shot they were one shot away. If Kawhi didn't drop that fucking three um, in game, uh, I think it was seven. Um, if he if he didn't drop that shot, if he didn't like conquer donk donk in, Philadelphia would would have been like where they have should been uh, should uh, where they should be um, in all this time. But they didn't, and Jimmy Butler left because Brett Brown couldn't coach him. I'm dead. And Philadelphia, are fuck now. They have literally, two, they have like literally two years mi- maximum to get to the finals and actually make something of this moment. Cause, boy, have they underachieved. I love it. I fucking love it. That's that's karma for all that process bullshit. Fuck that mentality. That's a garbage mentality. Horrible mentality. And you know it stinks. It stinks. That that franchise stinks because of it. It, it literally does. That's all I smell. I just smell fish. 
Every time I see Embiid, and not not to shit on Embiid because you know he's a good player. Simmons, great player. You know, there's great players on there. Josh Richardson, I love Josh Richardson. He's my boy, right? Former Heat, my boy, right? Absolute G. But as the team itself, as just the name, as the organization, go fuck yourself. Fuck that uh, uh, tanky mentality. That was horrible. That was a horrible few years that I had to endure as the NBA writer at that point. Horrible. Absolutely disgusting. So go fuck yourself, Sixers. Rot. Anyway, <clears throat> um, in July 28, uh, 2019, Butler joined the Heat in sign and trade that netted him a four year contract paying $142 million. Um, it appears he also found his home in Miami, where he has fit right into the culture by uh, built by team president Pat Riley and head coach Eric Spolstra. <clears throat> Quote, I knew the type of structure that I wanted and needed, and it was here, Butler said. Uh, heard about it, obviously, when I was meeting with Coach Spo, Coach Pat. Uh, it just felt right in every aspect of it. Everything we're, we're about, just me working. We've got a group of guys that do that, as well as saying uh, is like saying it like it is. Holding everybody accountable and moving on from it, they said that that's how we do, that's how we do that. Uh, you get to come here, and you get to be you. So I'm in. Unquote. In the bubble, the NBA has gotten uh, the NBA world has gotten the full Butler experience from start. He has stood out. In the wake of a, uh, of the police involved deaths of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, NBA players were sworn of warned social justice uh, messages on their jerseys. Butler, however, was the one player who chose not to have any words on the back of his jersey. On August 1st, Butler walked onto the floor for the Heat's first game, the restart, with no message or last name on his jersey. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Had some tea before I started recording, so hence the hiccups and minor burping. Uh, quote, I love and respect all the messages that the league did with, uh, League did choose for me. Uh, league did choose, but for me, I felt like with no message and with no name, uh, it's going back to like who I was. And if I wasn't who I was today, I'm no different than anybody else of colour. And want that to be my message in the sense that just because I'm an NBA player, everybody has the same right, no matter what. And that's how I feel about my people of colour. Is this a thing that we will do more uh, action toward? I'm with, like I said, the Black Lives Matter and all the phrases that they chose to put on the back of the jerseys. Uh, but for me, it's a lot more about action and continuing to learn and teach the people around me and doing what I can in my community, unquote. The referees made Butler change into a jersey featuring his last name before tip-off, but his point had been made. Throughout his stay in the bubble, he has remained focused. He is known to leave his hotel room only for games, practices and workouts. He hasn't re- received a haircut or shave since his arrival in early July. Uh, and according to Heat forward Udonis Haslam, he and Butler both sleep on, on, on the uncomfortable beds inside the couches uh, in their beds inside the couches in their rooms instead of the posh king size beds because they refuse to get comfortable here. <laughs> oh, that's such fucking mentality. Oh, I love it. Oh my gosh, that's such a G move. I'm asleep on the fucking sofa bed. Fuck the king size bed. That's G. Oh my god, I love it. Fucking love it. Oh, best thing, best thing of this article so far. Fucking love it. I'm gonna sleep on the sofa bit because I'm a G like that. Oh, anyway, <laughs> Butler, of course, has also been busy making his own coffee from his hotel room, turning it into a business, Big Face Coffee, uh, by charging a non negotiable $20 per cup. 
Don't be surprised if Bigface copy goes mainstream too. Lee says that Butler has a number of new major endorsements coming his way from his time in the bubble. Uh, I've always liked Jimmy's game, at a bio the Heat's all-star big man said. But seeing it up front with, uh, and being his teammate is crazy to watch because of how much work he puts in behind the scenes that nobody knows about. He's so locked into his craft, he gets up early mornings and goes to shoot late nights. A lot of people don't see him and he doesn't come out of his room, obviously because he's in there making big face coffee. Unquote. Butler has spent time growing close to his teammates as well. He has bonded over football, not soccer, Mark, uh, with Goran Dragic. He has inspired his, uh, his younger teammates, including Myers Leonard, who calls him the ultimate leader. Even celebrated his birthday, something that he'd uh, rather not do, by having a, his personal chef make meals for all his teammates in the bubble. Uh, quote, whenever it's his birthday, if you know him and care about him, you're going to have to call him either the day before or before his birthday or like five days later because uh, the day of his birthday, he turns his phone off. Uh, Lee said he's done it for years. Normally his birthday happens in the off season where he can really leave everybody alone. He just doesn't doesn't <laughs> he just doesn't like overt attention, as funny it is to say. So he was stuck with everybody on his birthday, unquote. Last season, while reflecting with the undefeated about his career journey, Butler emphasised how important it was for him to be surrounded by the right people. Quote, whenever you have the right people in your corner that are always wanted to do, uh, wanting you to do great, life gets easier. But also your dreams uh, seem more reachable and attainable, unquote. While the Heat entered Game 5, well, well, let's not talk about that because that already happened. <laughs> let's just finish up with a quote. Uh, this is what you signed up for, Butler said on Thursday. This is part of the job trying to win the championship, no matter where it's at. Here in the bubble, here in Orlando, it's a step in the process of getting where we uh, want to get to. We're all in it. We're still here, unquote. All right, so, solid article. Shout out to Mark J. Spears on that one. And, uh, yeah, man, Jimmy is has just, just... I mean, I kind of, like, had this respect for Jimmy, like, you know, beforehand, right? I enjoyed, I enjoyed the way he played. Very rugged, you know what I mean? Just, like, do-it-all kind of player. And I, and I enjoy those kind of people. Um... But yeah, just um, getting to know his attitude a bit more, you know, as he's been with the Heat, um, in the past year, uh, in the past uh, year, uh, past season, it's it's just been very, it's just been very enlightening, and you know, it's just and he's he, man, he's already he's one of my favorite players right now, honestly. Like, if I was copying a jersey, he'd be right up there in line, and he would, and and and. Oh, he wears my number as well. He wears 22, like a G, because 22 is the best number. So, you know what I mean? I'd cop. I'd cop if I had the P right now. I'd, I'd be copying me a Jimmy Muller jersey right now, bro. I'd be copying one. He'd be number one on my list, not going to lie. Like, he's got the Heat jersey. He's got the 22. Man, I, I, I might give it a cop. I might give it a cop, you know what I mean? So, hey, man. Shout out to Jimmy Butler. Shout out to the Heat. You know what I mean? It's, uh, I mean, if if anybody, if, if no player, if Actually, what? How am I going to word this? If, if anybody saw, uh, what the Heat did during that finals and just saw the absolute, just leave it all out there mentality that they have and the Heat culture that everyone touts about. If there's no free agent in the next two years that doesn't that doesn't even make a phone call to just see what the Heat are, try, are planning and want to see if they can fit into that. If the, if, if there's no, I'd be very surprised if there's no player that wants to just like, just, 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 just test the waters over there, just see, just see what's happening, you know what I mean, just, it may not go there, you know what I mean, not everyone's fit for it, you know what I mean, you can't have everybody on there, but if you ain't making a, if you ain't making a call and just seeing what the Heat are doing, like, come on man, who, what player does not want to be in that Heat culture? Answer me that, riddle me that, I leave that to you.
so we jump in the film and TV and uh, this is about the Oscars and uh, it's, it's, it's not what you think um, it's, it's kind of uh, it's kind of different <laughs> and you know I'm here for it because uh, I feel like it's a worthy thing to talk about and uh, I, 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 just, I just think it's I just think I just think it needs to happen so uh, yeah so this is an opinion piece this is via the Washington Post. Um, it's by Miss uh, Alyssa Rosenberg, uh, who's a columnist apparently at the WAPO. And uh, yeah, it's called It's Time to Fresh Reality and to Cancel the 2021 Oscars. So let's jump right in. And I don't know if I agree to this, you know, I mean, I've, I've purposely not read this one. So, uh, you know, I'm just going to I'm just going to get my initial feelings uh, as as we go. And, uh, you know, by the end, maybe I agree. Maybe I don't. We'll see what happens. And obviously you guys will see what happens as well. Uh, as I read or not. The entertainment industry is in the business of selling fantasy and escapism. Uh, that's been harder to do both literally, uh, yeah, harder to do both literally, as the COVID-19 pandemic has shut down theatres and halted movie production, and metaphorically as the crisis has stretched on. Keeping the Oscar ceremony on the calendar and with it the promise that crowds will be back in the movie theatres well before the show sustains the hope that normal isn't far off. But viruses are harder to beat in this submission than supervillains. <laughs> See what we did there. As the pandemic has worn on, Hollywood has begun to face the prospect of not just a reshuffled calendar of cinematic releases, but also an existential threat to movie going. Tenet, Christopher Nolan's uh, much-hyped time-traveling heist movie, the lone blockbuster scheduled for this summer to actually make it to multiplexes, was supposed to lure nervous American cinephiles, and British ones as well, you can add them as well, uh, back to theatres. Its performance was wobbly enough that savvy industry observer Richard Rushfield wondered, quote, in the face of this disaster, who in their right mind would risk a half a billion dollar temp, uh, tent pole as the next test case, unquote. Disney tried to sell Mulan as a price he adds on to its streamer service, that was fun, uh, hoping it would prove that home rentals could replace the box office, the gambit didn't work. Disney is now sending Pixar Soul, direct to streaming with no extra fees required. In the past week alone, the scheduled release of No Time to Die, the latest Bond film, was pushed to 2021. Cineworld uh, Group, owner of the owner of the United States' second largest theatre chain, announced that it would close all 536 regal cinemas in the country. Hot off a buzzy trailer, Warner Brothers gave up its Christmas release date for June, the latest adaptation of Frank Herbert's sci-fi epic. Like other institutions in American life, studios and theatres haven't been willing or consistently able to look more than a few months ahead, but this flurry of activity suggests that some writing is reliably on the wall. Certainly, some worthy films have been released in 2020, among them Lee Wanell's Lee horrifying, emotionally intelligent The Invisible Man, Spike Lee's agonised The Five Bloods, Netflix still plans to release David Fincher's Hollywood biopic Mank, Aaron Sorkin's historical drama The Trial of uh, Chicago 7 and Chadwick Boseman's last film performance in the movie uh, version of August Wilson's Ma Rainey's Rainey's Black Bottom. And more contenders are likely to come thanks to changes to the Oscar rules to extend the eligibility period through February and allow movies that were initially supposed to play in theatres to compete even if they end up only available online. Still, the list of Oscar-eligible movies is bound to be... Huh. Attenuated? Huh. It's a nice word. I like that. Attenuated. Good word. Uh, Attenuated compared with what Academy voters and Oscar watchers consider in a normal year. And there are other reasons not to forge ahead with the Academy Awards. 
It may be harder to convene a cultural conversation around a pool nominated works when works when logistical challenges might reduce the access to the works. A patchwork of state regulations governs where theatres can reopen and under what circumstances, if individual owners and chains are able to open at all. Shifting to streaming is a comparable alternative. Netflix has gained uh, millions of US subscribers this year, but it's not in every household. The reach of Hulu, Apple TV+, and other nascent services is even more limited. Whereas Oscar voters get screener DVDs or links, ordinary Americans do not. As an, well, okay, let's stop there. Um, like, that fucking matters. Let's be real. Like if if the script, if the Oscar voters get it, then that's fine. Like it doesn't. Let, let's, let's let's not act like you know there's a public vote to this shit. Like you know, you, it's as long as the uh, the Oscar voters get their screeners, then that's it's all well and good. That's no reason to shut off the Oscars. Like, and and to be real, like you know, not every not every um, uh, not every fucking Oscar film uh, gets you know the widest of releases. Like you know, how many how many people saw Moonlight before Moonlight won Best Picture? Let's be real. You know, what I mean, it's just. Yeah, that's just that's a silly argument. Let's let's not do that. Let's let's let's, let's cut that out first. That's not it. That's not it, chief. That's not a, that's not a solid reason because it's like that every fucking year. It's the Oscars. It's what you expect. So you you really expect every um, watcher of the Academy Awards to watch every single film? No, not even I do that. You know what I mean, and it's not saying I'm the, you know the gold standard of film watching, but you know not everyone watches the fucking films. Like what it is what it is. So who gives a fuck? About that, because fuck about as long as the voters get their screenings, you know what I mean. It's, that's not, you know, how, that's not, that's not going to be abused, is it? Just give them a fucking free Hulu account, like boom, pish bash bosh. You know what I mean? It's not so hard. Anyway, continuing on, um, as an award show, Oscar night is also uh, more about the movies. It's uh, movie more than the movie it's honors. It honors. It's a weird sentence. It's a runaway. Oh, it's a runway for dresses and jewels. Real life Hollywood soap opera and gossip fest. High wire. Da, da, da. Yep, yep, yep. Counting on the pandemic being sufficiently under control for in as for an in-person award show is risky. Why underscore Hollywood's access to on-demand coronavirus testing during periods of sh- testing shortages. The gap between the stars, stars and the people watching at home will feel downright unpleasant if Hollywood is able to buy its way back into normal. Uh, but back to normal while the rest of us are in limbo. Uh, conversely, no one wants to risk a super spreader event, and stars might re- reasonably decide it's safer not to go. Making the whole production socially distanced will defeat the point. If the Oscar show of all events is reduced to Zoom, then the clamour is truly dead. Uh, COVID-19 is a serious threat, perhaps the biggest Hollywood uh, has ever faced. But if movie-going is to survive as a theatrical experience, the pictures can't let themselves get small. The best way to avoid that is to wait until it's possible to throw a real in-person celebration rather than offer up a fantasy that goes sour as soon as the show is over. Okay, so this is... Okay, this is... um, I, I don't know, I have some qualms about this particular article, to be honest, because like, I, while I you know, completely understand where she's coming from, you know what I mean, and, um, and you know, like the, the glamour towards the Oscars, yada, 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 while I understand that kind of shit... Like let's just let's just act let's not act like you know the Golden Globe was it got no the let's not act like the Emmys didn't do a decent job let's not act like the Baftas didn't do a decent job right they did the, they did the best job they could in the circumstances right let's just I know the Oscars is the Oscars you know what I mean it's the it's the big one na 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 it's the jewel in the movie crown na 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 right but. It, at the end of the day, it's still an award show, and you can still host a half decent award show. It doesn't have to be via Zoom, like you, like you're glibly saying. It doesn't have to, to be like that, 
right? But you can still make a half decent show out of it, okay? And let's be real, uh, the Oscars viewership has, you know, has been dipping a little bit in the past few years. You know, it's, it's been too great. So, you know, it's, it's, not, you know, it's, not, it's, not, been, it's not as if, uh, you know, it's going to be any better in terms of viewership, you know what I mean? If, if it's something to watch, then people will watch it. But, you know, I mean, it's just, a, it's more, my problem is more about the films, to be honest. It's more about the, fi- the uh, getting the films to re- out to release so they can actually be counted in voting, like and actually be nominated and stuff like that. It's the it's the actual um, it's the actual uh, uh, nominations themselves that I'm worried about personally. I don't want it to just be you know Netflix film, Netflix film, Netflix film, and Apple film. Like it's uh, eh eh, not here for it. Oh wait, Tenet a uh, Tenet versus every other streaming film on Disney and uh, and Netflix and Hulu uh, and HBO Max, you know what I mean, it's just, that's just gonna be, that's silly, that's a silly, right, that's, that's not, that's not the best, that's not the best, that's, you're not showing the best of the best, so, you know, in terms of if I agree if it should be cut off or not, I think it should, I think it should be cut off, but not for the reasons that Miss um, Rosenberg has put forward, like, you know, obviously the the, the potential super spreader event is obviously just the logical option to say no, and I fully agree with that. But, uh, you know, to my thing, a main point, and I'll just leave it here, is just, you know, the fact that some of these films ain't even dropping. And I feel like, you know, if the, if half the films that will most likely be nominated anyway, regardless if they if they put all the marketing fucking millions in it or not, right, all the for you consideration dollars, which is a real thing, by the way, go look it up, right, uh, if 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 half the films ain't even dropping, then I don't really see the point. The pool's gonna be so small; it's gonna be a bit useless. It's just gonna be Tenet wins every technological uh, award, and then you know a, a an independent film might win a script award or some shit, and then like you know what I mean, it's just I don't know. Like when the pool's so small, it's no point. There's, there's really no point. So I feel like that's where I feel like it, the Oscars should be cut off. Uh, you know, there are other good reasons. Um, you know, sprinkled in the uh, in the uh, opinion article itself. Yeah, you know, while I agree with the overall um, sentiment, my reasonings are eh, just a just a just a titchy bit um, different. I'm, I'm looking at it from a little bit different angle, but uh, you know, the overall sentiment should the Oscars be killed off for the uh, for next year? Put simply, yes. And lastly, to finish up, uh, la- uh, second life topic, and uh, this is just some little, little black history for you guys, a little bit of black history moment for content for you guys, just a little bit, just something I found and I was just like, rah, this is cool, this is so lit to f- find out. Um, so this is from Mark Brown, uh, arts correspondent from The Guardian, it's called New Portrait of Queen Victoria's African Goddaughter Unveiled. Um, so let's just jump. Let's just jump right in. Let's jump right in. This is gonna be fun. Uh, her birth name, historians believe, was Ina, uh, but in the high society of 19th century England, she was Sarah Forbes Bonetta, an enslaved little girl from what is uh, now the West African country of Benin, who became Queen Victoria's goddaughter. The remarkable life of Bonetta is being highlighted by curators at English Heritage, who on Wednesday will unveil. Oh, that's today. That's today as I record. So oh, there you go. Then. Nice, nice, good timing. Um, you'll, there'll be a day later, obviously, um, on, on the Thursday drop. Uh, we'll unveil a new portrait of her by artist Hannah Uzor, part of a project to commission 
uh, and display paintings of black figures whose stories have previously been overlooked. Quote, where do you start? Her story is an extraordinary one, uh, said Anna Evis, cultu- uh, curatorial curatorial director um, of English heritage. Uh, th- through her life, we can also see a n- number of interesting and quite uncomfortable things Excuse me, around colonial attitudes to her, unquote. Benetta was born into a West African royal family in 1843. Her father was killed in war uh, when she was five, and she was captured and enslaved by Gezo? I seem to say say Gezo, uh, the king of Dahomey, present-day Benin. In 1850, the British naval captain Frederick Forbes arrived in Dahomey uh, on an unsuccessful mission to persuade Gezo to give up the slave trade. Uh, Forbes requested a little girl as a diplomatic gift, bringing her to England on his ship HMS Benetta. Benetta was introduced by Forbes to Victoria, who was charmed by her, describing her as, quote, sharp and intelligent, unquote. The Queen met the girl several times, including at her seaside home, uh, Osborne on the Isle of Wight, where Uzor's portrait will be on display. She was clearly genuinely affected by Benetta, becoming her godmother and paying for her education in Sierra Leone and Gillingham, Kent. Benetta later lived in Brighton, where she married a rich Sierra Leone-born merchant, James Davis, or Davies, um, who was born, whose own parents were liberated slaves. It was a wedding that was of national and international interest, with people lining the streets to catch sight of the couple and the attending dignitaries. The historian David Olisoga, shout to the G, um, has described Benetta as a symbol in that, quote, she became biographic shorthand for the perceived accomplishments of Britain's civilizing mission, unquote. At one point, Benetta was photographed by by the society photographer Camille Sylvie, or Camille Sylvie, an image that is uh, in the collection of the National Portrait Gallery. Uh, portrait gallery. Um, it is on this photograph that Uzor has based her portrait of Benetta in a shimmering cream wedding dress against a vibrant background of dark turquoise. Uzor said she was drawn to Benetta uh, because of parallels uh, with her own family and children who share her Nigerian heritage. Quote, Through my art, I'm interested in exploring those forgotten black people in, black, uh, in British history, uh, people such as Sarah, what I find interesting about Sarah is that she challenges uh, our assumptions about the status of black women in Victorian Britain. To see Sarah return to Osborne, her godmother's home, is very satisfying and I hope my portrait will mean more people discover her story, unquote. Benetta lived, in, uh, lived the rest of her life in Lagos and later Madeira, uh, where she died of tuberculosis. She named, uh, queen, uh, she named her daughter Victoria, who also became the Queen's goddaughter, um, Evis said the uh, story of Benetta was a fascinating one that also shone light on more uncomfortable sides of colonialism, such as how she was, quote, viewed as a specimen of what a Negro woman uh, could become with the right patronage. Oh, God. oh fucking hell. Um, the portrait in the first step in an English heritage project to commission and display paintings of black figures with links to historic sites whose stories have previously been overlooked, quote, we're keen to make sure we are thinking about those historical figures in a fuller in a fuller way, that they are not f- simply a footnote in the stories of the places that we look after, um, said Evis. We think visualising the past in this way is a good trigger for thinking about it, unquote. Other figures on the list will be James Chappell, a 17th century servant at Kirby Hall in Northamptonshire, who saved the life of the hall's owner from a fire, 
Another is ancient Rome's African-born Emperor Septimus Severus, who strengthened Hadrian's Wall. Quote, black, uh, black history is a part of English history, and while we know we have more to do, English heritage is, English heritage is committed to telling the story of uh, England in full, said Ibis. The portrait of Benetta goes on display at Osborne uh, from Wednesday the 7th of October. Oh, so it was a week ago. Okay, there you go. Happened a week ago. So, um, you know, guys, if you're in a... If you're in Osborne, go take a peep, and uh, you know what I mean. Just, just a little, just a little bit of Black History for you guys. Just, just a titchy bit, just a titchy bit. You know what I mean? Uh, I feel like you know, uh, and I don't think I said this last week, but you know, I feel like um, you know the reason why I'm not really doing much, uh, giving much focus to BHM as I did obviously last year, um, is pretty much because I feel like you know, and not to sound like. Uh, not to sound like poetic or just like a tool, um, but I feel like I do Black History nearly every episode anyway. So I, f- <laughs> so I feel like you know my show is basically a little bit of Black History every 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 episode or so. You know what I mean? Just I don't, I don't leave it just to October. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm, I don't leave this stuff just to October. If it happens in February, if it happens in March, December, it doesn't really matter to me. If I want to talk, if I if I catch it, I'm gonna talk about it. You know, what I mean, I don't need, I don't. This show doesn't need Black History Month to talk about Black History. That's kind of what I'm saying. So, uh, but regardless of that, you know, what I mean, this this comes through during Black History Month, and you know, I feel like um, yeah, that's a good, that's a nice story. That's, that's that's good to have. Nice piece of art in Osborne, you know, where she where she was originally, and uh, you know, it's just that's just great to hear about. So, and uh, um, with that said. Ladies and gentlemen, from the Fifth Film Podcast Network, I've been trying to tell you, and this has been most good. Intro music has been Too Much by Vanilla. Interlude music has been visited by Poldor. You can find both of their tunes via their websites in the full show notes. Thanks to Job Records for the ability to use these songs. You can also find their entire Bandcamp discography. They have a great, um, they released a great album um, by, um, I don't want to get his name right, uh, name wrong. It's like a Niamo? Nimano? Nimano? Nimano. Nimano. Niamo? Nimano? Fuck. N Y M A N O. Say that for yourself. Um, yeah, it's a full. It's a full-on album. Uh, it's, like, it's like 20, 25 minutes. Can't wait to get into that. Uh, but yeah, they've got their whole entire um, Bandcamp discography. That's also in the full show notes. And with that said, hope you all have a good week. I shall always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.